years ago, during the struggle, when I wasn't making a whole lot of money, I used to host a pub quiz, and I would get paid $50 a week and a free burger. It was awesome. I have that in common with my guest. Morton is a pub quiz host, and he works in hospitality, so we're going to have a lot of fun. Live from Norway, this is Stranger Than Christian. Morton. Hello, Chris. How are you doing? Excellent. How are you? Doing great, sir. Sorry I was a few minutes late. In podcast terminology, I had to pee. <laughs> <laughs> that is perfectly fine. I had to get something to drink as well, so... Oh, okay. Very good. So you understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I w- was a little bit late for the quiz tonight as well because uh, I've been uh, I've been tasked to, uh, to, to look after some cats and they needed some extra attention so oh, i was boy. a little bit late for the quiz gig but just by a few minutes so it's fine how many cats are you watching and who and who tasks you with that uh it's it's three cats and uh it is two very good friends of mine uh so one of them i've uh, her cat i've looked after over christmas so her cats adores me i think at least that's the signs I'm giving or getting. Uh, but the two other cats are of another, uh, another mutual friend of ours. And they are a little bit unsure about me yet. I do come in there every day, give them some food, give them some pets and love and a little bit of candy as well. Not too much, of course, but just enough. I feel like you can never be too sure whether a cat loves you or not. Well, that entirely depends on the cat, I think. Uh, because, like I said, the one cat, his name is Freddy, uh, Freddy Meowkery. So oh. and he just simply adores me because he, he comes up with the headbutts every, every single time. And I absolutely adore that. That's a phenomenal quality of his. He tells you, okay, you're, you're a good person. I love you now. And then he headbutts you. It is the best. Well, they say that that's a sign of trust in a cat. When a cat comes in and rubs his or her head up against you, that's a symbol of trust, or that's a sign of trust. Yeah. I love that. I, I have also, two cats myself. And you see the same traits in them? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, our cats are very our cats are very loving. The one, um, he actually just lost about 10 pounds. He used to be about a 25-pound cat. His name was oh, Fat Polly. Wow. Yeah, and he he lost a lot of weight recently, so we just call him Paul now. Um, okay. He's, he's, <laughs> he even he's, lost he even lost some letters of his name. We we can't call him. We can't in good conscience call him Fat Polly anymore. <laughs> no, just just Paul. He even right, lost yeah, the just Paul. I-E right, he's, the end. He, right, he's evolved. Yeah, <laughs> but um, he's very affectionate when it comes to food. He always wants to. He, he lost weight, but he still always wants to eat, and he's oh, very yeah, affectionate course. when he senses a meal coming. Our other cat, his name is. Kippo, K-I-P-P-O, 
And oh. we adopted him about a year and a half ago. He is just the sweetest, most intelligent, affectionate cat in the whole world. He's oh, wonderful. That's amazing. Oh, he's so great. I was never a cat person until I met my wife. We've been together for eight <laughs> years. And uh, she, oh, I'm, I'm in love with cats now. So anytime oh. I hear a cat story or that somebody has a cat, I have to pause and talk about it. Oh yeah, yeah, you got, you got, to, you got to like have a ask if if their cat is similar to your cats and stuff like that. Absolutely, you have to compare. Shared interest. Yeah. Yes, definitely. Tell me about the quiz. How many teams do you have? How many questions do you ask? What kind of material well, is it? Well, today it was uh, was a calm day. We got we got ten teams today, and now during summer we got and go about having a lighter version of the quiz with only two rounds and. It's about yeah, fifteen questions, no, thirty questions, and five songs. So, uh, in contrast to the to the larger quiz in the semesters where we have three rounds and forty five questions and five songs, so it's a little bit heavier uh, during the semester. And other than the song identification, is it mostly general knowledge? Oh yeah, very general knowledge. The only thing that's fixed, the, the categories I have every single week is the news. Uh, I've got some uh, geography and culture and literature. And the rest is just a hop, uh, hopscotch and hodgepodge is the uh, word. Just whatever. I love that. That's a good mix. Do you write the questions yourself? Uh, yes. Uh, well, in, in conjunction with some other friends, um, I used to be a part of the uh, uh, of a Chris group uh, on a student cultural center uh, where we every Tuesday we hosted a quiz. So we were a group there and we sat down and we wrote questions. But I've now since then quit uh, this uh, cultural house uh, and started a little bit for myself uh, with the quiz quizzing there. So I I can use old questions. I do that because uh, good questions is. Is bad to be used only once. Why use uh, questions only once there? Of course, absolutely. I, you know, for about a year and a half, I made a living as a question writer for pub quizzes. There was a company. Well, there's. I think. I think it's still operational. There's a company in America who puts on pub quizzes all across the country and they look for people to work from home and write the questions. So for about a year, I wrote about about 150 questions a week. Oh wow! It, it was a lot of fun. Oh, I it, oh, was, yeah. it was a lot of fun. Not only the fact that I got to work from home, but I love trivia and I love writing. So to combine those was phenomenal. It's just perfect. Yes, absolutely. What, in your opinion, makes a good quiz question? Uh, when when you manage to tie several categories or several fields together, so that if you if you have a a large group or if your team is put together by people of different uh, like subjects. Like you have one person who knows geography. You have one person who is really uh, well-versed in nature science. And then you have one person who's more of the sporting kind of guy. Uh, I, I think it's so fun to tie all these fields into one question so they can discuss in between the team and pull references from both the sporting worlds and the geography worlds and a little bit of the news or what, what may you have. 
So something that utilizes the entire team rather than relying yes. on one person on the team, which I feel like yes. happens very frequently. When one person is sort of the anchor of the team and the rest are sort yeah, of Yeah, the powerhouse characters. there. Yes, 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 yeah. definitely. Yeah, I love pub quizzes, and there's nothing that annoys me more than a bad pub quiz. And there are some bad pub oh, yeah. quizzes out there. <laughs> Oh yes, but it takes time to get to to that level of writing good questions. Uh, when when I just started out, it was just me and a friend, and we wrote uh, so horrible and so badly written questions. It was not engaging at all. It was. I look back and think, "Wow, we've come far from that point." And that That's is good. A good. I think that's good. Absolutely. It's good to be able to look back and go, oh, my God, thank God I don't write like that anymore. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. When I was writing oh, how questions. how the has changed. Absolutely. When I was writing questions, we had an editor that would get everything that we wrote. And there was a sort of design language to the questions that this company mm. would use. So the editor would put them into that sort of format. So I would write them, and then he would put a sort of, I would call like a sarcastic tone to them and, and, okay. and yeah and that just and that was just the way that they wrote um but yeah it was it was so much fun and you know you learn so much while you write as well and and oh the, yeah and the creative challenge when it comes to coming up with categories and because that's how it worked you'd come up with a category and then you'd pitch the category to the editor the editor would say okay that sounds good go ahead and write yeah, that's, your uh, eight questions cool. for that category right yeah it was fun mm. it was fun yeah. it was uh it was a definite mental workout Oh yes, and it also helps you if you have no idea if you if you're gonna write five questions. Okay, what are you gonna write them about? You have no idea, so you set a category, and then you research that category and you find facts and trivia related to that. Right, and if I could find a way to convey a really interesting piece of information that maybe somebody didn't oh, yeah. know, that's a huge bonus. Oh yeah, I I, uh, I used to do that myself. My questions usually uh, consist of two lines. The first, or two sentences. The first sentence is like establishing a fact, establishing wh in which field we're thinking, and then under there comes the it comes the question, relaying to the to the subjects in hand. Exactly. Yeah, tying it all together. But I, I feel that that's that is how I personally like getting questions so that I can put my mind into the mindset of the question and then try my best to answer it in that way. Or for other quiz people um, or participants, it's be best to just set the, um, the established universe, so to speak, and then the question there. In North America, there's a big competitive quizzing, competitive trivia scene. Is there a oh, big yeah. competitive trivia scene in Norway? Oh yes, yes, very much. Uh, for some reason, for some reason, for the past few, I'd say ten, fifteen years, the quiz scene has been just exploded. We have uh, ten, fifteen questions in the newspapers uh, that come out every single day. Uh, we have every. every bar around pub um, drinking place has usually a trivia night on one of the uh, one of the days in the weekend or week and uh, we also do got the uh, 
uh, Norwegian championship of quiz coming up in a few months, unless it's going to be postponed due to the uh, current circumstances. Right. Yeah, I think ours got postponed. It's the uh, Trivia Championships of North America, and it takes place, I think it takes place in Las Vegas every year. I'm oh, wow. pretty sure they canceled it this year, but mm. that's the that's the huge event where, you know, all the all the famous quizzers and game show contestants come out and, you know, mm. uh, I don't know if you have Jeopardy in Norway. Uh, we had uh, we we used to have Jeopardy on television, both the both the American version and a Norwegian spin on it. Oh, okay, excellent. So you had so, both of them. Yeah, that's yeah. that's in terms of in terms of trivia in America, that is the ultimate goal is to get on Jeopardy. And, oh yeah, know, yeah. We had a we had a, a contestant a few months ago who won something like two and a half million dollars. Yeah, but that was the that was the uh, the all time best of jo- uh, Jeopardy. Where even the uh, what was his name the original presenter uh, came back uh, Alec Trebek. Right, right, right. Yeah, we did. So there was a special where they had the three biggest players of all time. But even before that, one of the th- one of the three guys on that special had won about I want to say twenty five games or you know somewhere around there. And it was and a was very important, in- impressive uh, line he had. Yes, and it wasn't. It wasn't. It was as much for his knowledge as it was for his wagering skills, his betting skills, because oh, yeah. he would bet $60,000 on a question, and you'd hear the audience gasp in horror, you know, but he knew all the answers, and it was amazing how he could build up such a knowledge base. I think in an interview, he said that he read a lot of children's books, and that children's books give you a very base knowledge of a broad or wide variety of subjects. And I thought that oh, was yeah. so interesting. The, the studying for competitive trivia, I find fascinating. It is amazingly fascinating, and, and just having a normal conversation with people from the from the quiz teams as well. They can teach you so much, and the 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 subjects of of hand or the subjects we're talking about is just amazing. Absolutely, one of my biggest regrets in 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 my schooling is that there was never a quiz bowl team or there was never a competitive trivia team, and I feel like a lot of schools had that, but none of my schools did, and I would have been so involved in that. <laughs> yeah, same. It's schools schools here in Norway just had okay. You have thirteen years of school um, with all these subjects, and it's only during the last three years of the the high school, I guess, where you can really specialized but nothing of the sort has been like the quiz or trivia like information you might not necessarily need in school but it's fun to have absolutely and i think it promotes important skills i mean it's it's important to know certain things but it's also important to know them quickly if you need to know them quickly it's important yeah. to you know to practice your recall and to practice your memory i mean those those skills are are so important as you get older indeed and also how to uh, deduce and uh, think about how to get to a question you don't really know the answer to but in, in my case th- this is why i have this establishing sentence in the beginning so you can use a little bit of that information to piece together what might what the answer might be so you have this extra level of deduction. Yes, deductive which reasoning. Which is also absolutely. a very good, yeah, which is also a very good skill or mental skill to have. 
What do you do for a living other than present pub quizzes? I work in a hotel uh, in the reception during nighttime. That's been my career for the past nine years, I think. Yeah, nine years. Well, see, we have that in common. I've been I've been working at the front desk of several hotels for the past five years. Oh. Yeah, I, I got laid off this year because of the pandemic. But yeah, I've worked all shifts, yeah. night audit, morning, check in, check out, the whole thing. Mm. Has... I'm, I'm mostly during the night time, though. I'm mostly during the night time. So you're which, like the overnight? Fine. Yes. I come in at 11 uh, p.m. and I'm leaving at 7 a.m. I sort of like that shift. It is. Well, it depends. Uh-huh. Of course it depends, but usually you get you get a few hours of dead time where you can actually do a little bit of the um the night routines, but you have to be ready for almost everything. You can't just take a phone call to housekeeping to say that okay, someone needs more towels in their room for instance. You have to be the one to leave the reception and just run up to that room and fix things i like that i like that challenge and the the uncertainty of it absolutely well yeah one of my favorite things about hospitality is that no two days are alike there's a different challenge and a different adventure every day oh yeah i used to work the night audit shift on the weekends at a luxury inn where i live in in pennsylvania in lancaster and their big business was weddings so every night that i was working night audit there was a wedding oh yeah and every night that i was working where there was a wedding there was an adventure there was a challenge there was something <laughs> was something something to you with. didn't yes something you didn't uh, foresee at the start of your shift Absolutely. Well, on nights like that, when you know when there's a wedding in house, you are front desk, you are plumbing, you are security, you are you are everything. <laughs> you are technical support. You are anything and everything. Absolutely. But again, I, I enjoyed I enjoyed that. I thought it was fun to to be the face of the front desk for a while, even if it was on those odd hours. I, I just I, I I enjoyed it. There's a great mystique about working overnight. Indeed. Indeed. And, and people usually don't know all the story. Of course, uh, you have this, uh, what, what's it called? The preemptive notion that, of course, the night audits, they're just sitting around during nighttime and watching Netflix and just waiting. Right. And that's partly true. Well, <laughs> it's, part, it's partly true. Okay. Yeah. Right. yeah it's partly true. <laughs> but you, usually you have so many things. Things on a list that you need to do, and then suddenly a new thing, uh, a new problem is, uh, has been presented, usually by a guest or by something else, and you have to do this really quick mental, okay, where do, we, where do we have to prioritize this in the line of all the things we have to do? And that is also, I, I, I find it very challenging and very fun, especially when it goes well. Uh, like the, the, the biggest, I'd say, prize at the end of that challenge is a, a thank you and a smile, because then you know, okay, I did a good job. This Absolutely. is good. And you know, it's funny as as corny as it might sound, 
that that makes it all worth it. At oh the yes, end of, yes. At the end of an interaction, at the end of an interaction, that 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 makes it totally worth it. And it's funny that I wonder how many comparisons we can draw between uh, the feeling of completing a good quiz and the feeling of completing a good shift, because I feel like they both take a certain level of logical thinking, a sort of lateral reasoning, thinking outside the box, creative problem solving. Uh, Indeed. Yeah, they both seem to have some some characteristics in common. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Well, of course, completing any task, any task will give you this feeling of of wellness because you have completed something. Uh, usually, well, also if you have completed something in a maybe unorthodox way, like you're tasked to, I just cleaning the cleaning the floor, but oh no, you're out of uh, of uh, washing. Um, you're out of soap, so right. you have to improvise or just oh, yes. go down to the store. I don't know. Yeah, any, but yeah, any, once you've done with there that are any task. number of solutions. What is, oh, yeah. Describe to me the last situation where you had to improvise and think outside the box in your job at the hotel. Uh, no, this is, this is kind of stupid, but uh, six years ago or, or so, because I was so fresh in this in, in that job. I'd only worked for th- three odd years, uh, but nothing I've ever done will top that one night. Uh, we we are a downtown hotel with a kind of large large property, and during one night, a guest came down, an uh, o- older lady. Uh, she wanted to know if we had a. Uh, a, a small animal veterinarian, which was open during the nighttime here in Bergen or here in my hometown. And she was visibly upset because her cat had managed to, I don't know, yawn or meow its jaw out of uh, like out of the hinge. Oh, and wow. she was visibly, yeah, it was one of these uh, breed cats, the, the Persian uh, long hair with a, uh, a little bit squished face. So it's apparently very normal with Persian cats. And she was visibly upset because she said uh, that the veterinarian back home in her hometown had showed her and her daughter how to do this, uh, how to just hinge the, the jaw back. And, but she, she didn't have the heart to, to do it in case she did it wrong, you know? Because as a cat owner, you probably understand that your cat's well-being means a lot to you. Of course. Uh, so if you do one little mistake. So I, I went on the phone and I called around and fig- found out that, yeah, there was a, uh, uh, a veterinarian with a kind of uh, intensive care or acute, um, no, that's not work, but like an intensive care veterinarian. Right. But he was two hours away. He was in one of the neighboring towns okay. or further. So right. when I was told, uh, told my guest this, she was even more visibly upset because the day after they were going to a, uh, like a cat show just out of town. So I said to her, bring the cat down. Let me have a go. 10 minutes later, <laughs> I was sitting down in the reception oh in the lobby God. area. 
uh-huh. with, with a towel across my lap because I was in my job uniform. Couldn't have like cat hair scattered all over the place. Right. And I had this, this massive Persian, so amazingly soft fur. It was um, just amazing. Nine years old, it told me. And just with his mouth agape. And uh, yeah, took me about 10, 12 minutes of wiggling. This was, mind you, at 1.30 a.m. on a Saturday night, Sunday morning. We had a large banquet up on the second floor. So we had like drunk guests walking just through the reception and out uh, to go home. And I was sitting there with a cat on my lap trying to rehinge the jaw. And about 10, 12 minutes, the jaw just snapped back. We heard a tiny satisfied meow and uh, everything was good. Oh, that poor baby. That's, a, that's incredible. And that is incredible. That you is, weren't afraid yeah. that you were going to break the cat's jaw? A little bit, a little bit. But the, the cat was apparently very used to be handled uh, since it was a cat for cat shows. And they need to be handled every which other direction. So it was, it was, it was fine. I didn't like it, but it was fine. And the, the reason I did this was just because the, the lady had said it was a very easy operate, uh, very easy uh, thing to do. It was just that she didn't have the, the, I, I don't want to say mental capacity, but she didn't have the, she had way too, too much empathy for the cats. So of she course. didn't want to do it. Boy, I hope you got a good TripAdvisor review for that. Yeah, she she <laughs> she came back. She came back the year after uh, with new cats, though. Uh, so yeah, she comes uh, she comes back. I think once uh, once a year or every every two years That's to good. participate That's great. in this. Uh, I'm thinking of situations where I've had to think outside the box at the hotel. I know that I had a couple mm. once that was coming for their anniversary and they had requested a room with a whirlpool tub. And so we had it for them. And it was a great room, a king size bed. The, the oh, whirlpool yeah, yeah. tub was in the corner of the room. It, it was very nice. And uh, I got a frantic call a few hours later, you know, into the evening um, that there was something wrong with the tub. And I guess I, I went up to the room and opened the door and what had happened was they put too much soap in the tub. So oh. the corner of the room was engulfed <laughs> in bubbles and suds. It, it was it, it looked it was incredible. The, the pile more it must have been about seven or eight feet high. They I don't know how oh, much soap geez. they put in, but it was way too much. Way and too much, yeah. Absolutely. And and you know, they had drained the water, but the soap was still there. And I said, I wonder what we can do about this. And for some reason, I thought of the movie Ghostbusters. And I thought about the vacuum packs that they wear on their backs, and they have the vacuums that suck up the ghosts. I said, I bet housekeeping has a vacuum that I could use. I've waited long enough. The bubbles are drier now. I can vacuum yeah. them up. So I went and got a vacuum, and I opened the door, and I knocked on the door. And the first thing I said when she opened the door was, I saw this in Ghostbusters once. <laughs> And I rolled the vacuum in, and I spent about ten minutes vacuuming up this eight-foot-high pile of bubbles, and 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 they loved it. And they came back for every year after that. And my nickname for them, uh, my nickname from them was Ghostbuster from that point on. <laughs> and they would always ask if the Ghostbusters working at the front desk. Oh, that is amazing. 
it feels good. It feels good to solve problems on your own Steam, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Especially when it, when a problem doesn't have, like, a clear-cut answer. You have to figure that out yourself. Absolutely. And when you come well, to that know, solution... Yes. And there's also a an element of trust in that night audit position because you are the only person presumably on property unless you have to yeah. call a manager which you know I, I hope you'll never have to do that but um you know you're the only one there so for your manager or whoever's relieving you to come in at the end of the shift and you to be able to tell them we had a problem i took care of it yeah that, that's that feels great no but it it's yeah it's it's the level of trust not only from the your from the uh, your superiors but also from the guests as well because we've had for the past few weeks now, we've had several hundred guests in, in our property. And every single one of them trusts you. Right. That's the a people working, huge responsibility. Uh, the night yes. shift. And also the, yes. in the reception, just they trust you with safety and security, both from outside unwanted personnel or unwanted guests, and also for fire hazards and fire safety. It is an immense level of trust you're given absolutely tell me about your hotel how many rooms is it what type of property is it uh we have 262 rooms oh that's um, a big one it's it's a quite large one but not right. the largest one we have downtown uh but still one of the uh bigger hotels of course uh, the city here being a very popular tourist destination we get a lot of uh tourists and a lot of um, guests every single summer and uh, yeah, we're kind of a, uh, I'd say we're a very do-all hotel. We got uh, quite a big variety of different room types, ranging from a junior suites to more economic rooms with only single beds. So we can, we can handle both families, travelers. Uh, we have space for... I think over a thousand people up on our second floor with our uh, conference department. So uh, we can deal with conferences and large tourist groups as well as individual travelers. Is it mostly tourists that come to your hotel or do you have a huge percentage of business guests as well? We also do have some business guests that uh, live with us every, every week. Um, we gotten to know them and Every time they check in, it's hey, long time no see, or usually just a week ago. But we always have this friendly banter uh, with them and conversation. We ask about their their trip. Usually, if we've read some news from their hometown or home country, we uh, of course we, sh we show that we care every time. Of course, absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's that's the mark of a good hotel that 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 interpersonal uh, connection. Especially at the front desk, that's the most oh, yeah, important yeah. place to, to make that happen. Of course, it's the first and the last uh, place you are in a hotel. Absolutely. And the receptionists yeah, I... are the first smile or the last smile you see. Hopefully a smile. Right, right. Well, it should be. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I love working at the front desk. That was, and, and I, I, out of all the jobs I've worked in, 
working front desk was the most fun by far, the most rewarding, the most fulfilling, mm-hmm. the most exciting. I, I just I I loved it. I, I just happened to luck into my position. I, I there was a, a luxury inn right across the street from where I was living at the time, and uh, I needed a job, so I applied. And yeah. I had no idea what I was in for, but my supervisor <laughs> trained me in everything I could possibly know about hospitality, and I have him to thank for a huge amount of what I know now about oh, yeah. working front desk and about hospitality in general. So I, I was I was thrown into the fire, as they say. But and, and you bring those qualities fun. with you. Oh, absolutely. Oh, it is working in hotels, working in hospitality has greatly improved my interpersonal ability, my my ability to communicate, my ability to I tell my wife, I can make a friend anywhere I go. That is a skill that has been sharpened by working in hospitality because that's the goal, yeah. right? When somebody checks in, you yeah. want to yeah, yeah. you want to make a friend. You know, you want to you want to make that connection so that they can trust you and that you can, you know, trust them. And there's that mutual sort of uh, understanding that, you know, you're you know, you're taking care of the guest. Um, I am yeah, the oh, very same way. Are so important. Yeah. Yeah. Not only just the friendliness and you can get to talk to people almost right away, no matter where you are in the world, but also that that way to to speak to people that they feel themselves a little bit. Uh, complimented and like they f- they feel um, taken care of in a way. Yes, you There's care about them. Warmth is, is yes huge. Warmth yeah. is a very beautiful word. Yes. Yeah. There's a way to you know without without doing it explicitly inviting a guest into your into the business not just into the room but into the philosophy of the business you you know there's a way to make the guest feel like their home you know that's the ultimate goal they're going to stay there for at least one maybe more nights of course you want them to feel comfortable and taken care of you are there to to worry about things they don't have to worry about exactly Morin, you and I should run a hotel. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You during daytime, me during nighttime. Yeah, there we go. It's perfect. We have it all covered. Absolutely. Cat friendly as well. Yes. Oh, we'll be the only we'll be the only cat friendly hotel between Pennsylvania and Norway. (laughs) I would love to stay at a cat friendly hotel. That's, you know, my wife and I, um, you know, before the pandemic, of course, we were traveling a lot more because we realized how valuable our free time was. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and one of the biggest regrets when we, I love staying at hotels, I'm, I've become uh, much more critical of other hotels. Oh, yeah. And I of know course. what to look for, um, you know, when it comes to the room, cleanliness, things like that. But one of my biggest regrets is that there, I, I wish I could bring our cats. Our cats would have so much fun on these little adventures, you know? Well, many hotels, at least the chain I'm working for, uh, do you have uh, allowance? Uh, do you allow pets in some of the rooms, like cats? If they if they have like a a you know, traveling cage and their own little uh, feeding bowl and water bowl, and small dogs, even large dogs. But that, I think that's very much up to each and every chain of hotel to decide right. what can right. be do to 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 alleviate to make sure that people can bring their pets. Because usually you need a different kind of detergents. You need uh, usually allergy-friendly rooms uh, so that the cat hair or, well, 
Andref from the uh, pets don't stick around so they can affect um, uh, allergic people. Right. Yeah, I think noise complaints are a huge issue, too. And I'll tell you what my hotel used to do, what I used to do at, at my hotel. Uh, we always approved uh, animals on a case-by-case basis. A lot of the time, oh, yeah. uh, the animal was involved in the wedding. Sometimes they have the dog walk down the aisle, you know. In situations like that, because we want the business from the from the wedding, of course, you know, yeah, bring your dog. Course. Yeah. But what we would do, you know, what I would do at the front desk is I would take a $300 deposit. And it is 100% returnable once you check out. Mm -hmm. But if we get a noise complaint from the room next door and the following morning, that guest comes and says, there was a dog barking all night. I want something off of my room. I will gladly take it off that room, but it's also going to come out of your $300 deposit. Yes. And that's the way we would would make that work. And we very rarely had an issue with that. But um, Yeah, I, I think that also is because people who bring their pets are usually, now this is the keyword, usually, uh, they, they usually have well-behaved pets that doesn't bark or doesn't cause a ruckus or something like that. I, I, I don't see people bringing their menace of a dog or menace of a cat, which can't keep quiet during the night. I, I don't see them going out to travel, but of course, people are different. That's true. I think most pet owners uh, are very considerate. I mean, we've had a few guests that try to secretly sneak their dog into the room, and, and we always find out. A housekeeper <laughs> oh, yeah, of course, will call and of say, course. hey, room room 410 has a dog. I don't know if you saw that when they checked in. And I'll go, nope, I didn't yeah. see that. Thank you, and I'll, and I'll put the deposit on. But <laughs> that yeah, first It's, it's kind of difficult I, to hide. Yeah. Yeah, it is. yeah, just a little bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't imagine they don't think somebody would find out eventually. Mm-hmm. The first hotel where I worked, uh, I used to work, other than the weekends, I would work regular hours during the day. I'd either open or I'd, or I'd close. And part of the responsibility of the morning shift, and I don't know that I've ever seen another hotel that does it this way, but the front desk would also inspect the rooms. Oh. So as housekeeping was cleaning the rooms, we would leave the front desk, go and inspect the rooms, mark them clean, and then go back to the front desk. And our property was seven different buildings. It was a converted tobacco farm. So a lot of the buildings were original farmhouses and cottages. And it, it, it was a beautiful property. But I can guess. You, but the anxiety involved in leaving the front desk, leaving the phone, oh, yeah. somebody might be coming to check in. It yeah. was, you know, I, I'm, I'm grateful for the experience because I think it prepared me for a lot of other things I've had to deal with in hospitality. But that was by far my least favorite part of working at that hotel. Of course, it is unnerving because you have been given the responsibility for an area and for you to leave that area it gets you a little bit anxious. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, our property was Forbes rated. So we were the only Forbes rated property in the county. So Forbes, the travel agency, would yeah. send a, I guess you'd call the a, a secret guest. Yeah. And they would check in and they would use the spa. They would use the restaurant. They would, you know, use the room, the pool, the gym and be, be secretly judging and rating everything. You know, and it's like 150 yeah. points on this checklist. Uh, oh, wow. So we wouldn't know until 
July of that year. They usually stay between January and March. July, the report would come out, and we find out if we passed or not. We were a, a four-star hotel, so it, it, it was always a big nerve-wracking thing, you know, whether we'd be able yeah. to keep our stars that year or not. And it's funny that the, you know, the management got really good at identifying who they thought might be Forbes. They had, you know, <laughs> they said if it's a reservation that was made over the phone from somewhere like California or Las Vegas or New York, mm. you know, keep an eye on it. And uh, we would identify some of the people who we thought might be Forbes. And even if they weren't, they would get A++ treatment just to ensure that we pass. So <laughs> it, it, it's funny to me to think that some people just, you know, stayed for a day coming from yep. California and they got the most <laughs> incredible service they've ever gotten in their lives <laughs> because we were scared to death. <laughs> if they were not Forbes, then they definitely left with a smile on their face. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, it was. It, but you know what? It, it was. It was pretty nerve wracking, all told. But I, I, I thought that you know, I we we handled it pretty well. Um, I, I eventually became the manager of that front desk, and uh, I was very good at training everybody on you know how to how to speak on the phone so that you're in accordance with the standards and yep. and you know what, and what to say, how to interact, how to how to make small talk because we would uh, another part of it was personally walking the guests to the room once we checked them in. Oh. So there's a way to make small talk about the property as you're walking. There's a yeah. way to show interest in the guest, why they're staying, have they been here before, where are they from originally, what brings them here. Um, Oh, it was just so much fun. It was just so much fun. I can get, I can tell. Oh, and do you think this is part of the reason why you started this this podcast? That you want to like meet and talk to different people from oh, all over the world? Absolutely, that's a huge part <laughs> of it. Well, you know, working in hospitality, I developed. Uh, I, I've always been a always been a people person but working in hospitality i definitely sharpened those skills and you know mm. i'm able to make conversation with people without any preparation i can just walk up to somebody and speak to them i've just always been that type of person um and i found that in my daily work i was meeting a lot of people but i started craving more i wanted to i wanted to talk to people more i wanted more of a connection rather than just the interaction the, just we have superficial over Right, right, right. You know, um, so in that way, this podcast has uh, satisfied that immensely. I mean, I've I've talked to people from every continent. Uh, I'm I'm amazed by the response that this podcast has gotten. It's just so much fun and so fulfilling. That's amazing. And um, yeah, as as we said earlier, that yeah, you you take these uh, these characteristics, the things you've learned. From your past works and for both of us in hospitality, you bring this with you uh, throughout your life, and yeah, you can, you can make friends anywhere you go. It's Absolutely. I think that's a very good quality. Oh, it's great. It, it, I feel like it's it's so important to have, and you know, even from a professional standpoint there's always a place somewhere in the country or in the world that will need a front desk. The The opportunity for adventure as somebody who has experience in hospitality is almost infinite. You can bring those skills to any hotel. Oh yeah. You know, and, and, and it just, I just love it. I just love the adventure that hospitality presents. What are some of the big tourist attractions in your area that people come to see? 
Well, we are we are located on the west coast of Norway, uh, so we are kind of the the midway to the the fjords in the north and the massive mountains. The fjords, and, right? Uh, yeah, massive fjords, and we also got a uh, easy connection to the further south, the archipelago, and southern tip of Norway. But I think for for the for the Bergen area, we're I mean we're the second largest city of Norway. Uh, well, still small compared to other European standards, but it's big enough. But we got like uh, amazing nature. We're surrounded by seven mountains. So if you're a um, a wildlife person or you like to uh, hike, it's phenomenal. Uh, we also have very good connections to the sea. So if you like seafood, we got some amazing restaurants uh, just around the corner or scattered around town actually and we also have an amazing aquarium uh, so uh, this is all spoken like a true concierge I, I i get it yes. <laughs> i love it i love it <laughs> That's we wonderful. can find something for any occasion do you want to go out to drink have a coffee or cafe or you want to experience some more heart, uh, like blood rushing things or do you just want to take in the culture and the natural history of the area we got it all like i think most cities do have some form of uh, like uh, activities to do no matter what you're looking for Right, right, right. Absolutely. Well, and it also takes somebody working at the hotel to know about those things. Oh, yeah. Have you one of the problems that I had working front desk was that in our area in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, there are so many things to do. And there are so yeah. many restaurants that there is no way I could experience all of them. And no. a lot of the times we would get questions about these certain restaurants, these certain attractions. Oh, what is this like? Have you been there? How much is it? You know, when is mm -hmm. it open? And it's so embarrassing to say, you know, I'm actually not familiar with that because, you know, you're there. You're in yeah, Lancaster. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, of, of course, you shouldn't expect to do everything and see everything. But uh, what percentage of the attractions, the restaurants, the things that you would recommend to a guest have you experienced yourself? Are you a well-traveled resident of Bergen? Uh well, th th this is the point. I, I am a very uh, person of habits. Uh, I, I, I found some good places that I'd like to return to, but I, I then rely on the other people in the reception, uh, the other, uh, other front desk workers, because some of the places I haven't been personally, they might have been. So we can have a chat about, okay, the, this new restaurant or, or that restaurant that opened... Uh, two months ago, how was that? Yeah, you've been there, and we can have a very good talk there, and we can establish uh, a, what we can the selling point, the key points. If we want to, if if we want to recommend that restaurant or that cafe to someone, so even though we haven't, even though I haven't been there personally, I still have a lot of both friends and colleagues who's been there, so I can use their words to uh, to recommend places if i was a guest coming to your front desk and i was looking for the best seafood restaurant in the local yep. area i didn't want to travel too far what would you recommend i would recommend you to go across the bay uh it, like okay 
Bergen is, as I told you, a small city. You can walk from one point to the other within 30 minutes. And on the other side, the, we have this iconic UNESCO uh, wharf with old wooden buildings from the 1300s. And on the second floor in there, there is a restaurant which, ha which has the best seafood restaurant in Bergen. They've been there for 26 or 27 years. So they've done something right in this in, in a very volatile market. And they have this charm because you're inside on these buildings that are skewed. You can see the floors, the uh, the doorways, everything is uh, has a little bit of this skewed uh, look to it. It's just amazingly charming. And the, and the food is good. Yes, the food is also amazing. So oh, that, that is, incredible. I think, the best uh, fish restaurants in downtown Bergen. That sounds incredible. God, I, I love, I love seafood, but but just, I I miss the opportunity to travel. I can't wait to yeah. be able to travel again. I don't know oh, when same. it'll happen, but I I cannot wait. I feel like there's so much to see and so much to do. Yeah, uh, I feel feel it the same way because this year, uh, me and some friends, we were going to go to Finland. Uh, because we're part of this, uh, we're just part of a group that we hang together every year and we, we juggle. So we go to this European juggling convention, which moves around Europe every single summer. Uh, last year was in Great Britain, and this year it was supposed to be in Hanko in, uh, in Finland. But that was postponed. So, um, yeah, we have to wait until next year to meet up again and, and go juggle. Right. Which is kind of a bummer. You juggle. Yes, I, 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 I don't think I don't think you mentioned that. <laughs> <laughs> well, what is, you know what's hospitality and cats are two very large uh, objects, though. Well, that already sounds like a lot of juggling between <laughs> hospitality and taking care of cats. You know what's funny? My brother years ago, I have a, I have a brother who's two years younger than me. He was in a play for school. It mm. had something to do with clowns at the circus. And for his part, he had to learn to juggle. Oh, and wow. I remember him practicing with plastic bags. With plastic bags? Take, okay, yeah. Yeah, he would. So, it just and I guess they recommend this if you're learning. Up. No, no, no! You open them up and you th and you throw them because the way plastic bags float in the air, oh, it's yeah, almost yeah. like throwing balls in the air, but it's slower. So yeah, you, it ha you have a little more bit more time. Study the yeah. motion, right, right, right. You can also get silk, silk scarves to do the same thing. Oh, okay, yeah, that works as well. I guess it, it looks it looks so easy, you know, to see somebody take three. <laughs> balls or something and, and you know throw them in the air what is the secret to juggling how how do you do that muscle memory i think is that what I, it I is practicing that, for a while yeah, and then just kind of learning just, where your yeah, hand should be just practicing good eye to hand coordination which is it's one of the reasons why i started juggling because i have a eye prosthesis i lost my eye when i was, I was uh, two and a half years old so this was kind of like a personal challenge for me to to try and learn juggling, something that relies on, I thought, uh, eye-to-hand, uh, a very good eye-to-hand coordination. But I figured out that the start is a lot of eye-to-hand coordination, but then you, you go muscle memory and you learn this, this standard pattern with a three-ball cascade. And yeah, then it's easy. But then the also challenge, then the challenge goes further 
to implement another pattern. You can have it one ball, you can throw it over or under and you have so many different things. And you can also start uh, throwing several patterns into a routine. So you can do a routine from start to finish in a minute or two, which is also quite challenging for some people. How many objects can you personally juggle at the same time? What's your maximum? I never got past the uh, three ball cascade. Well, I, di I did get past the th three ball cascade, but three objects. I can only manipulate three or props at a time. Does I've it tried take, uh, five, right? but I can't. I, 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 know, I know the theory behind it is just my muscle memory isn't there yet. Right, right, right. And is there a different is there a different set of skills involved in manipulating objects as opposed to just round balls? Is there, you know, can you for example, can you juggle three books as easily as you could juggle three balls? Well, the books do flop around a bit. So you have to you have it's also a little bit of an exercise in spatial awareness to see how an object will will behave in the air. I think how about books. three bananas? Three how bana about three like solid objects bananas. that are sort of an unusual shape but don't flop around the way a book would? I, I can probably do that. I don't think it would take me too long time to figure out the, the optimum flight path and spin of a banana. Uh, because it, I think you have to do a, a spin on them. It's like the, uh, the clubs. Uh, juggling clubs without them rotating in the air, that's difficult. You need that one spin of a club or even the double spin to make it easier for yourself. Right. So I think right. bananas, although it's in very awkward shape, should be possible. They're juggleable. Yes, they're very <laughs> juggleable. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> We've invented a new word. Look at us go. Juggleable. Now, now that's, right. a, that's a tongue twister and a half. <laughs> <laughs> Going back to what you were mentioning about having an ocular prosthesis, and I hope that yes. this isn't a tasteless question because I do not mean it from a tasteless point of view. I am genuinely curious because I love I learning love about people. I love that with people. I love that with people. I can Everyone who has like a prosthesis or something... I don't want to use the word deformity, but something odd about them. Sure. We can always tell. We can always tell that you're sitting there with questions because right. people have this, this confused look. And most people, most people who has a form of uh, a, a, a handicap in a way will be glad to answer any questions so that you don't have to walk around being confused and probably make up answers of your own in your head and get things all wrong. Like we are the well, best I, source of those answers. So, well, I am glad to hear come that. On, how ahead. do you, how do you clean your eye? Do you take it out? How often do you have to clean it? Just about once a month. And it's just rinse okay. it under some hot tap water, right. uh, dab it with a little bit of uh, wet tissue paper, uh, in the in the eye uh, in the ocular hole, to in case there is any gunk or just residue of something, so 
not that much. Your eyes do a phenomenal way, or your tear canals and your eyelids do a wonderful way of cleaning the eyes themselves. So it's not that it's not that much maintenance, really. And I imagine you have to avoid soap or using anything like that to clean your eye. I, I, I bet that would sting. I, it, it does sting a little bit, but rinse it with enough water, it goes away. It's like just getting shampoo in your in your eye when you're showering. Right, right, right. Just you're rinse right. it. It's no no bigger issue. Has it ever has it ever fallen out in public? Yeah. yeah. Has it? Yeah. Well. Wow. I I did manipulate it myself. This was back in in. Uh, I think it was in eighth grade. I had this thing where I where I rotated the eye so the eye was was looking one direction. So uh, and myself looking at the other direction, and then I just made a funny face. Um, that was a uh, that was apparently enough for the eye to just pop out and roll under the bench of the, uh, <laughs> of the girl in front, and she was livid. She was absolutely screaming. So yeah, that was a very good first or second impression of eighth grade <laughs> that is i did incredible. not do that again to, so no, to speak I, you, damn right you did it oh my god <laughs> that is phenomenal so you have a good sense of humor about it i feel like some people would be of course, no, uh, no 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 well hmm yeah if some people will look at themselves and their disability and be, be be sad about it but come on that's that's not going to help anyone so you kind of do develop a uh, self-irony or this self self-conscious thing that you can't, kind of can't do anything else than just laugh about it what a great outlook to have yeah well half of it at least half blind you don't remember <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was good. That was good. You got me. <laughs> that got him. Good. That's so. <laughs> that is funny, Martin. I, you know, I, I ask everybody who does this podcast with me. You know, it was yeah. a choice to fill out the form that I put on Reddit. To yes, you know, I said if just you know, just give me your name, basic information about yourself, and I will talk to you if you want to talk. Yeah, what I, I, you can't, I can't. I can't. I can't really remember what I entered in the first place. So. <laughs> Well, me neither, so that's okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but what made you want to participate? What made you say yes to that? Kind of the same thing with you hosting this, I guess. The, the, this wish, uh, this wanting, this sensation to meet other people, which you have no contact, you have had no contact with before, and learning something new. It, it's one of those things I... I appreciate after being a quiz master for six years and a hotel worker for nine years that every single person you meet knows something you don't and they've had a completely different experience and outlook on life that you can't or haven't had the opportunity to take part of so other people when they talk about their upbringing you can okay you can see some similarities but you can you can take part of that, that and your whole view on the world changes in accordance. And I think that is, I think that is the reason this curiosity and this wanting to 
have a chat with a complete stranger. I mean, I could not agree more. I, you know, that's that's you've described a lot of the reasons why I'm doing this. It, it, <laughs> it's, it's it's fun to be able to talk to people who I would never meet. I would never be be able to yeah. meet otherwise. You know, who knows where you and I would ever cross paths if we would ever cross paths in, in you know throughout the universe. So it, it's 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 hugely uh, therapeutic and fulfilling for me to be able to have conversations like this. And you were so much yeah. fun to talk to, Morton. This was so well, much fun. This was a pleasure for me as well. I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad to hear that. Um, good luck with your job. I hope you stay safe at the hotel. Good luck with the quiz. Thank you um, very much. Thank you for sharing everything that you share with me today and giving me a good laugh. Uh, I'm, <laughs> de I'm definitely glad we're not strangers anymore. I'm very happy to. All right. Excellent. You have a good night, Morin, and, and I will let you know as soon as I put this one up. Brilliant. Take care of your wife and your cats, and uh, yeah, take care. And, stay and healthy. Take and stay care safe. of those cats as well. Absolutely. I will. I you too, will sir. do. <laughs> All right. Take care. Right. Bye-bye. Right. Take care. Bye. Stranger Than Christian was produced, recorded, and edited by me, Christian Carrion, here in beautiful downtown Lancaster City, Pennsylvania. For more information on the show, to listen to past episodes, or to send me an email, visit StrangerThanChristian.com. Thank you so much for listening. Tune in next time to another episode of Stranger Than Christian. Bye-bye.